0: Thank you for downloading the podcast from the Community Baptist Church in Henderson, Kentucky for Sunday morning, October the 19th of 2008. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, delivers a sermon message entitled, Jesus Came to Eat with the Inmates. His scripture reference comes from Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 40. Our adult choir sings a choir special entitled, You Are Lord. The church pianist, Jika Crafton, plays a melody of, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. The offertory prayer was delivered by Jerry and Adele Martin. We hope that you find this church service a blessing, and we now unite with the service
1: in progress. Above all powers. Above all powers. and all created things Above all wisdom and all the wisdom
2: wonderful how the Lord sometimes just puts a thought in your head. You know, it, I was thinking and thinking about what I was going to do today for a children's moment. And I thought, well, it's Halloween. I could do something, you know, um, have a theme about Halloween or whatever. And then I thought, well, the person next week right before Halloween is going to be mad at me because <laughs> they're probably going to do that too. So um, so I was just sitting there thinking um, about uh, different meanings of things and, and um, you know, looking at a pumpkin and uh, we carved pumpkins yesterday, our kids did. Can I have that back? I'm, I'm loud, but not real loud. Um, so I, I decided I would um, bring in a few things to see what you, see what kind of things that um, you guys could think of when I pull something out of this bag, okay? So here's my first thing. This is what gave me inspiration for today. What is the, when you look at this, if you see this, what do you think about Carving a pumpkin, yeah. And what do we do? When do we when do we carve pumpkins? When it's Halloween. When it's Halloween, that's right. So, th- pumpkins make us think about Halloween, probably candy, carving pumpkins. There's all kinds of different things that this pumpkin will make us think about, right? How about if we see plastic eggs? What does that make us think about? Easter. Easter. Anything else? Makes us think about you? You want the green one? Okay, well, how about afterwards, okay? <laughs> so, plastic eggs make us think about Easter. How about, who's this? Santa. Santa. What does Santa make us think about? Uh, Christmas. Christmas, that's right. What else about Christmas? Presents, that's right. So you see Santa, you think presents and Christmas time, right? So um, I decided to draw a couple of pictures too. How about this? What is this? Stop sign. stop sign, yep. What is a stop sign for? You Tell you to stop, that's right. How about, what is this? Stoplight, stop that's right. It's a stoplight. What is a stoplight for? To stop too, that's right. So we have two different signs for stop. That's right. What, well, what's this? Gave it to green. It's green. What is green for? To go. To go, to move cars. That's right, to go. So when we see green, that means go. Green go, right? How about balloons? They fly in the air. What are, they fly in the air, that's right. And what does that make you think about? carnivals what else birthdays. birthdays all right how about this does everybody know what this is this is my attempt at what is that a hen. a hen a turkey it's a turkey that's right that's right does it look like my hand a little bit oh yeah that's my um my drawing um i'm not very good at that but what does turkey's make you think about thanksgiving huh animals that's right animals at thanksgiving right even at yeah, the zoo you can see turkeys at the zoo so all these things are things that when we see we think about stuff so you know it could even be like i look at my kids i have a few children down here and when i look at them i think of love because i love them um, i think of grounding because sometimes they get gr- no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> But sometimes there's just things that you can look at and you think about. You associate that with something else. It stands for something else, okay? So what about this one? What is this? What? The cross. And what do you think about when you think about the cross? Jesus. Jesus, That's right. And God. God, That's right. So when, when people saw Jesus or they think about Jesus now, even though he doesn't walk with us, um, like he did years and years and years ago, we think about God, right? Yeah. And what do we think about when we think about God? And helping. and helping. That's right. Good job, Jerry. What's that? About church. That's right. So how about this? Oh, oh yeah. This is ten times magnification on this side. I don't like that side. Um, <laughs> How about this, what do you think about, when you see that, yourself, yeah? What do you think other people think when they see you? That same picture you're looking at, what do they think? I'm pretty. You're pretty, <laughs> yes, you are.
1: <laughs>
2: what else would, people, would you want people to think when they see you? <laughs> Jerry, what do you want people to think when they see you? That you have big teeth, you like to show your teeth? What do you think? What do you want people to see? Oh. When people look at me, when I look at me, sometimes I see things that, you know, you can look on the outside and see things, but what about what they see from you on the inside? When they look at you, I want people to see that I'm kind, that I'm nice to them, that I treat them well, and that I live like Jesus, that maybe when they look at me, they associate me with Jesus and me with my church, right? Right? So you can be a symbol, just like all the things that we went through here today. You guys can be symbols for God and for Jesus and for this church. And you can represent good things. So when people look at you, they think good things about you and, and what, um, what you do, okay? So I want you all to think about this week going out and being a symbol for God and for church, your church. And how do you re- relay that to people so that they, when they look at you, they see that. And they see all the things that we teach you here in church, okay? All right, and I do have candy for you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in a bowl by the door. And when you guys leave today, you can have it, okay? As much as you want. There's going to be a whole, whole whole, bowl full, okay? All right, let's pray for a second. Can you all bow your heads? Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these children that you've given us. Please let them go out this week and throughout their lives and 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 allow them to be able to show their friends uh, their family, their neighbors, all the things that the teachings that we've tried to provide for them, they're still learning and growing and, and thinking about you and, and the things that you teach them, dear Lord. And please help them to stay strong and and show those things to their friends and their families, their brothers and their sisters, um, and to their parents as well through respect and, and love for you. Dear Lord, help us as parents to continue to guide these children, um, as grandparents, as the adults and the leaders in this in this church. Please help us to guide them as they grow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.
0: The reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of God's word. Amen. Amen.
3: of the body of Christ we wonder at God's imagination that designs a gifted community what gifts has God given you listening peacemaking hospitality teaching caring for the earth seeking justice humor organizing compassion communication music encouragement creativity remembering some of us are gifted to comfort
0: and nurture
3: some of us call our gifts call out gifts in each other
0: some of us understand the needs of children
3: some of us advocate for youth and the elderly
0: god's mission in the world is carried out wherever God's people offer their gifts of ministry.
3: Dear Lord, we are the body of Christ and individually members in it. In bringing our gifts together, we recognize our dependence on each other. We offer our gifts through this church, knowing we can do more together than we could ever do apart. Amen. Amen.
0: What a wonderful anthem. Thank you, choir, for that beautiful message and music. Uh, I feel like I've, we have worshipped tremendously today through our music. As a matter of fact, a couple of the songs that we've sung, uh, Jesus Loves Me and uh, one that Jika played a moment ago, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Those are songs that I would put together And sing to my children, sing them to sleep at night. So uh, those are wonderful songs. So um, thank you for that, for the wonderful message and music that we've received already. One of the most remarkable Christian witnesses in the world today is a man by the name of Chuck Colson. Uh, Some of you may remember Chuck Colson as the political hatchet man for President Richard Nixon. And while he was serving as special counsel to the president, Chuck Colson seemed to be a truly despicable man. Uh, he had no conscience whatsoever. And for him, the ends justified whatever means were necessary. But then quite remarkably, Chuck Colson had a thorough and complete conversion experience. It was in 1973 during the height of the Watergate proceedings. And please don't be suspicious about this because this was not one of those jailhouse conversions. This was, was not a ploy to keep Colson out of prison. In fact, Colson refused to, uh, to, to take a plea bargain and he pleaded guilty to a crime that no one even knew he committed. He was sentenced to the maximum prison term permitted under federal law and then after he was released from prison Chuck Colson founded the prison fellowship ministry which reaches out to men and women in prisons all over the world now for those of us who who might still be suspicious of Colson's commitment to Christ we need to know that over the the 30 almost 35 years now since that date Colson has given all of the royalties from all of his speeches and books and, and awards to the Prison Fellowship Ministry. And that includes the prestigious $1 million Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion, as well as the royalties from the sale of 5 million copies of his 23 books. In Colson's books, he often tells about his experiences in prisons around the world. And he literally travels all over the world and visits in prisons and and advocates for for human rights in, in different places. Some of the stories that he tells in his books will tug at your heart. For example, in his book titled Being the Body, Chuck Colson tells about a time when he and Jack Eckerd visited a women's prison in Russia. All the inmates, says Colson, were dressed in threadbare babushkas and ragged long dresses. The cell blocks were freezing cold and full of mud, but Colson and Eckerd were able to talk with many of the women, including several who spoke English. However, When they arrived at the mess hall with its long rows of wooden tables, its dirty floor, they noticed that none of the women at the tables there looked up. They had been trained to keep their eyes down. It was a very controlled and intimidating environment. But Jack Eckerd did something that their Russian handlers did did not plan on. Colson described Eckerd as a tall, lanky, irrepressibly lion of a man who loved Christ and was not intimidated by anyone. And so Eckerd walked over to where the cooks were ladling out the food and it was a a grayish green stew dumped over a a scoop of rice. And it smelled awful. Now, Jack, Jack Eckerd whose family owns the Ecker drugstore chain and could afford any pleasure that he desired, he leaned down and he smiled broadly at the cook and he asked this question, So, how's the food in this place? Well, Coulson thought to himself, Oh no, he's done it now. She's going to offer us some and we're going to have to eat it. Now, Coulson's doctor had warned him to avoid foods of unknown origin on this trip. And this prison gruel was definitely unknown. The chunk sticking out of it didn't look like any animal that Coulson was acquainted with. And so Coulson writes, the next thing I knew, my fears came true. The woman heaped a huge serving on a plate for Jack and then smiled and ladled an even larger portion for me. So I did the only thing that any of us would have done under those circumstances. I thanked her. And then Jack and I walked over to one of the wooden tables and joined the inmates there. The government officials all stood back stunned. They didn't know what to do, and none of them would touch the food. Eckert and Colson bowed their heads and they prayed. Colson said it was the most fervent grace he had ever prayed in his life. <laughs> he asked God to sanctify that food and to save him from every microbe lurking within it. And then he goes on to report that the, the moment we started to eat, the atmosphere in that dismal dining hall was transformed. Inmates got up from the other tables and joined us and people began to laugh and they spoke with us. Some of the women showed us the crosses that they wore around their necks. And and even the ones who did not speak English knew that because we were eating their food and because we were breaking bread with them, we were one with them. Chuck Colson and Jack Eckerd gave these women a very special gift that day. They identified with them. They entered into their world and they connected with them. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. Today, we want to deal with the nature of love. And I'm not talking about the kind of love that popular songwriters extol these days. I'm talking about True love, agape love, the love that comes from God. And I believe that this kind of love has something to do with the willingness to sit down and eat gruel served in these primitive conditions in a Russian prison. Because that's exactly the, the kind of thing that Jesus would do. The conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees reached its pinnacle in Matthew 22 We see several incidences in this chapter. First, the the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus with a trick question. They asked him, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, and, And that was a pretty loaded question. But Jesus was up to the test. You remember the answer. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. And then that same day, the Sadducees also who... Who didn't even believe in afterlife. He didn't, they didn't even believe in, in heaven or life after death. They asked him another trick question, another loaded question. And it was about a woman who married seven brothers, one after another, after each died soon after the wedding. And by the way, I understand that CSI Jerusalem is investigating her as a possible serial killer. Seven husbands in a row. Boy, that is a little bit suspicious. But after laying out this scenario, the Sadducees posed this question. At the resurrection, they asked, whose wife will she be since all of them were married to her? And Jesus answered this by saying, there's no marriage in heaven. So the questions moot. Again, Jesus passed the test. And then that brings us to today's lesson, which comes from the same chapter. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the the, uh, Sadducees, the Pharisees got together once again. And one of them, who was an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And you know his answer. Jesus replied, love The Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The perfect answer. Christ's answer. What is it that matters most of all in life? Well, according to Jesus, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Nothing could be simpler than that, could it? Unless, that is, we ask the question, what does it mean to love? (laughs) And for an answer to that, we can only turn to the example of Jesus Christ. And here it is. Jesus loved us enough. To come into our world. My friends just as surely as Chuck Colson and Jack Eckerd cared enough to go into that dirt and despair of a Russian prison and even eat the prison gruel. Jesus cared enough to come into the dirt and the despair of our lives. Because listen to this. That's what love does. That's what love does. The Reverend Susan Gilbert Zinka tells about a good friend of hers, Kim, who died from Hodgkin's disease. And Kim left two very young children. And at Kim's wake, six-year-old Brian was absolutely inconsolable. He sobbed and he sobbed and he sobbed. His whole body shook from the force of, of his grief. And everyone there wished that there was something that they could do to help this poor boy. But how do you cheer up a little boy who knows that he has lost his mother forever? Everyone ached for him. His dad tried to calm him down, but when he held him, Brian's grief just rocked the both of them. His aunt came over and tried to talk with him, but Brian was unreachable. His loss was overwhelming. And then quietly, two of his friends, two other little six-year-old boys who had been in school with him since the time they, they were three, they walked over and they stood on either side of Brian. No one told them to go to him and no one told them what to do. They just stood there with him. One of them reached over and put his hand on Brian's shoulder and, and Brian looked up and, and saw them and he just kept on crying, but, but they just stayed there with him. They didn't talk to him. They didn't try to cheer him up. They just stood there with him, willing to stand in his pain and to be there for him. And slowly his weeping began to taper off. And before long, these boys were were scampering around the funeral home, chasing each other and giggling. Ever so often, Brian would come back to the front of the room, sit next to his mother's casket and cry for a while. And Other boys would just stand there with him wait quietly. And folks, I want to tell you something. That is a wonderful example of love. If you're asking the question, how can you show your love for God and for your neighbor? Here's the answer. Find someone who is in pain and go to them. Stand with them, minister to them, just be with them. And God's probably not asking us to to go to Africa or Asia or South America to show our love. But God may be asking you to go across the street or next door or to a different part of our city. Because, you see, Jesus cared enough to come into our world and he calls on us to do the same for others. To enter the world of others in order to love them and to be with them. To share in their pain and hopefully to offer them a little encouragement and hope. Jesus loved us enough to come into our world. But even more impressively, Jesus also cared for the undeserving. He loved the undeserving. And folks, if, in case you didn't realize that, that's you and me. That's us. You know, many people today only want to help people who they deem to be worthy of such help. Sometimes I hear people complain, well, they made choices just like I did. So I'm not obligated to care for for people who refuse to care for themselves, am I? And as the world sees it, that's true. But Christ didn't see it that way. Listen to this scripture from the book of Romans. Romans. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died. For who? For the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates God's love for us in this. While we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Do you see that? Christ gave himself for the undeserving, for the ungodly. And I, for one, am glad he did. In a sermon by Pastor Lynn Niehoff, he tells about a man who reached out um, to someone that most of us would believe did not deserve his help. Uh, the man who reached out was named Lewis Saunders. He was not a rock star or a political leader or some other sort of celebrity, said Niehoff. He was just a Disciples of Christ minister who lived a quiet life, served as a pastor in Texas. But when he died in 1998, a long memorial to him appeared in the New York Times because of one single act of love that he performed. You see, Lewis Saunders was serving at a church in Fort Worth, Texas, when he learned that Lee Harvey Oswald, the man who assassinated President Kennedy and who in turn was killed by Jack Ruby was going to be buried in his town. Saunders knew that the Oswald's mother, uh, that Oswald's mother was a Lutheran and so he worked the phones and he arranged for two Lutheran pastors to conduct Oswald's funeral. And everything was in place, but when the day arrived, Saunders stopped by the cemetery And when he got there, he discovered that the ministers who he had arranged to do this funeral had backed out. They had objected to the open air ceremony because they were afraid that they would be exposed to potential snipers. And so this small family, this terribly destroyed family, forlorn, impoverished, they asked Saunders to conduct the funeral service and he did. He had left his Bible in his car, so he didn't have that with him, but he knew some of some of it by heart. And he recited to them the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He recited to them a passage from the Gospel of John. And then he said this. He said, Mrs. Oswald tells me that her son, Lee Harvey, was a good boy and that she loved him dearly. And today, Lord, we commit his spirit into your divine care. Lynn Niehoff adds this commentary to this story. He said, I think it's fair to say that on that date in this country, there was no more hated person than Lee Harvey Oswald. No one had anything to say about him that allowed any room for grace or redemption. No one, that is, except for his mother and Reverend Lewis Saunders. And of course, God. For you see, Christ cared enough to come into our world and Christ cared even for those who don't deserve it. Thank goodness for that. And finally, one more thing. Jesus kept his focus on that which is eternal. My friends, Jesus was tempted, just as we are, to live a mediocre life and focus on his own pleasures and well-being but he knew that he had a mission to accomplish, and that was to love God with all of his heart, soul, and mind, and to love his neighbor as himself. And when Jesus said, love the Lord with all of your heart, the word that Jesus uses there is is holos. The Greek word is holos, all, which means complete and perfect in every way. One definition is unawares. In other words, we are to love God To the point that even our random thoughts and daydreams become filled with thoughts about God. It's like the devotion that that Mary Rye used uh, yesterday at our Upward Games. She had a mobile uh, with God in the center of it. And all of our other concerns of life were surrounding it. And that's what God wants. God wants to be in the center of every part of our lives. God wants to touch every aspect of our lives that concern us. As one scholar puts it, this is holos. This is all. This is the position that God wants in our life. Not for God's sake, but for our sake. In essence, this means that every feeling and every thought and even our passion must be focused on God. We focus our thoughts on God and we focus our acts of service on those around us. And that, my friends, is loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul and mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And that is truly the formula for an abundant life. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Years ago, Roger Kahn wrote a book about the old Brooklyn Dodgers, and it was called, called The Boys of Summer. Kahn tracked down many of the players of that team to see what they were doing 20 years later, and, and one story is about Clem Levine, the great relief pitcher. Now, Levine lived for the team. He, he was the first to arrive at practice and at, at games every day, and he was the last to leave he didn't, but the problem was he didn't take much time for his family, particularly his young son. And when Levine, after he retired from baseball, Kahn quotes him as saying, my son has no time for me. And when Kahn tracked him down, he was disillusioned and a, he was an unhappy man. But another member of his team was Carl Erskine, also a pitcher. But, but baseball did not dominate Erskine's life in the same way that it dominated Levine. He also had a son. His son was mentally challenged and his son needed him. So Erskine did all that he could to care for his son. And and 20 years later, Carl Erskine was a fulfilled and happy man. He knew what was important and that is where he focused his life. And folks, let me tell you something. That's what love is all about. That is agape love. It's love that's willing to taste the gruel of life. And it's also the love that brings lasting joy and peace into our own lives. It's the kind of love that follows the example of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Jesus cared enough to come into our world. And Jesus cared enough, cared even for those who are undeserving. And Jesus was was focused on that which really matters. That which is really eternal. For You see rocks are not eternal. And diamonds. Even diamonds are not eternal. But only people are eternal. And that's why Jesus Christ. When he was asked. Which commandment is the most important. He said this. Love. The Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment in just a moment. It's number 307. Just as I am. And that's, that's what Jesus, um, that's how Jesus receives us, just as we are. And we can thank goodness. We can thank God for that because we don't deserve it. But Jesus came for those who don't deserve it. And that's you and me, folks. We don't deserve it. But God's love is so great. God's love is so wonderful and so deep that he gets beyond the fact that we don't deserve that grace. And he loves us in spite of it. He loves the worst of us as much as he loves the best of us. And that's what love and grace is all about. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. There may be someone here today who you may not feel worthy of having this special relationship with God. Well, join the club. None of us do. None of us are worthy of that. But I will tell you this with a certainty. God loves you in spite of what you've done. And God wants that special relationship with you. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, I hope you'll do that today. Because that's the only way to have a truly fulfilled life. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. Maybe you've made that commitment long ago. But you're looking for a place to serve your neighbor. And to love your neighbor. We invite you to come and unite with our church because that's what we try to do here. We try to serve one another and serve our community as we do it in the name of Christ. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together 307, Just As I Am. Would you come? God, we come to you now, you who are always with us, and we pray that you will go with us as we leave this place. May we all be aware of you working within our world this week. May we love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and souls and strength and minds, and and may we seek out ways to love our neighbor by finding those in pain and offering them our compassion and your hope. May we all discover the glorious power of God among God's children. And may may the favor of the Lord our God be upon us all, that what we do will bring glory to God's kingdom. Amen.